Solo. Hey, brother. Hello, brother. <laughs> Welcome to Season 8, Episode <laughs> 2 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Chris. That would be me. At least we didn't cut out that time. Matchwits is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where Chris and I talk about a host of things kind of in the realm of music, TV, movies, books, and occasional sports talk. Um, if we disagree on something, we and we haven't done this in many episodes, I almost thought about not mentioning it because we don't even bet anymore or we don't challenge each other. But if, if something comes up in this episode where we disagree uh, on a fact, uh, we'll do what's called a dimwit challenge and uh, basically a dollar bet. Uh, Chris is up by six on me and has been up by six for a long time, d- dating all the way back to, to season six. So, do you hear that? I do. Yeah, it'll push go through. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not my Push that's through my it. We're professionals. <laughs> all right. So, we, we had a couple things in episode one of season eight that we didn't get to that I want to get to to this time. And one of it was the, the, the Witcher, right? The, uh, yeah. The Netflix show, but before we get into into The Witcher, um, you know, one of the reasons, so where the whole Witcher thing came from for me is Chris texted me like he often does, is like, "Have you seen The Witcher?" And I was like, "What's that?" I think I've seen the commercial on Netflix. He's like, "You have to watch it. It is the it is a Polish Game of Thrones. I should read the text. It's a Polish Game of Thrones, uh, but more magic and more monsters." I think is what you what you said about The Witcher, uh, yeah. and being that Chris and I about fifty percent of our uh, our background growing up. I mean, we're you know fifty percent Polish, uh, so the fact that a lot of this was got it looks like it's in, inspired by at least a little bit of Polish folklore, and the author is like the George R R Martin of of, of Poland. It kind of hit a, a sweet spot for us, right? Yep. So. At the same time, I'm watching, and so I didn't get done with The Witcher until the other night, like Friday night. I had two episodes left and finished it. So we'll get into that in a second. But at the same time, doing that, I'm getting in more and more into back into genealogy, right? So back into our our Polish roots, going back as far as you can. And I've never been able to get back very far, particularly on our Polish side, because names get shortened. And and our Polish relatives pretty much showed up here on both sides of the family, right? Uh, our grandmother and our grandfathers uh, pretty much showed up here or were born here, uh, and their parents showed up from Poland, and no way to get back to, to where they were in Poland. So they just stopped. So the, our mom's side of the family, we can trace back to Denmark in like the 1400s. Uh, but the Polish side yep. of the family, not, not go back very far. So it's kind of interesting that I'm watching The Witcher and, and doing this at the same time. And then with our last name being Wit. Right. I was like, there is a chance that, you know, our family could tie back to, you know, the Witcher. Right. We could be we could be descendants of um, of the Witcher. um, And they just shortened our name because I'm thinking about as we go through our name was obviously shortened from something. And I didn't know if you know this, but um, I finally got back to would be our great grandfather. And he spelled his name like I'm looking at his death certificate and and some of our uh, great aunts, like Chachavicki's sister, and that spelled their name W I T. There was not <laughs> there was not two T's, which made me think of The Witcher. I know The Witcher is completely fictional, but you, you go with me here. Um, sure. So, so somewhere somewhere in the history of our family, they changed the name from W I T to W I T T because it's on like 
again, it's on it's on someone's birth certificate with one T. It's on their death certificate with two T's. It's on their tombstones with two T's. So somewhere the extra T got added, and I'm guessing somewhere it got it got it got shortened. So sure. that was something I don't. I just found that out. I don't even know that Dad knows that. I don't know that. Um, I've shared that with him. I just found that out this weekend, which I thought was interesting. Um, the other interesting thing is, I don't know if you if, if you knew this, but our great grandfather, I found his. Uh, he did some hard time. Huh? huh. Yeah. What, on dad's side. Yeah. I uh, found that's the great well, that, thing that, about that. Doesn't that doesn't surprise me because we found out about our great grandfather on mom's side on the, the Marlowe side. And all of a sudden they were in England and then all of a sudden they were in Australia, which at that point in time was when you got sent there as the penal colony for great Britain. Yeah. So yeah, so we come from, we come from a very shallow gene pool apparently. Yeah. And you got to watch when you trace these things back, but it was, to me, it was fascinating because I find this book and it says clear enough. It says Stanislaw Witt, right. And it's, you know, six months. I have it. I have it actually up up here. Uh, let's see what it says. What uh, what for? What infraction? Yeah, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get to it. Uh, hold on. I just had it up. I had to reboot my machine. It. Well, was... then we find out on mom's mom's side that Marlo was actually Grandpa Snooks is the one that added the E that it originally was. Yeah, no somebody e. in there added the E. Yeah. He d- he did because he was estranged from his father, so he wanted to tr- he wanted to change the last mm. name without changing it so he added the e because we found the death or the death notice the obituary for great grandpa on that side in the allentown newspaper and it was without an e hmm. and then Gra- grandpa harold was with an e yeah i, I yeah I, I was aware of the the Marlowe difference i just didn't I, I never heard that that was the why was that because of the relationship with his father yeah, but well, so he's our great grand is the only one with the e oh go ahead no, no, I was just going to say, so in this log, and I can send this to you, uh, he did six months hard time for grand larceny in the second <laughs> degree. <laughs> well, what does that entail? What was he? I don't know. I'm, this is one of those things I'm going to try to find out. Larceny. Yeah. He did six months, and uh, he, went, he was sentenced uh, like right before Christmas in 1903. Wow, now, this is all. This isn't just for scale, but the value of the property has to exceed fifty thousand dollars. Well, class, this was nineteen oh three. I know. So no, no, no. Would, I, obviously, like, yeah. yeah. This is this is the current the current law that it has to. So I'm assuming back then it was like you know five hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know what inflation would have been in nineteen twenties. Right. So it's it's amazing the stuff. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to. I've also found out how he how he he died. We had already heard, heard things about the way he he passed away. But it's it's interesting as the the databases for these things become more up to date. You can actually I don't know if you spend any time with ancestry, but you can actually see. Like I'm looking at handwritten log of all the people that went to jail that day. Like there's a. <laughs> uh, I can't. There's a Frank Smith. He went there for a vagrancy. Nice. <laughs> A lot of vagrancy on this one. Um, uh, Mary Asborn for intoxication. Um, some a lot of vagrancy. A lot of vagrancy. I don't even know what vagrancy is. To tell you the truth, disorderly conduct, intoxication, truancy, <laughs> disorderly conduct. Truancy. Um, nice. 
I think that's what it says. It says TR. Anyway, anyway. But the cool thing about Ancestry is you can get to all these records and it's handwritten. So, you know, the OCR technology they use is not 100%, particularly with these Polish names, right? So if I can actually get in there and look at some of these documents, I can, I can start to stitch these together because... One thing we have going for us is our Polish family, right? So our our grandfather and our grandmother grew up on the same block in Erie, and they <laughs> lived literally in the same houses that their parents lived in until they moved in together. Like so, you can really easily see if it's five thirty seven East Thirteenth Street. That's where you know ultimately uh, Chechewicki and Uncle Benny lived, right, right across the same stands, mm-hmm. and then five thirteen or whatever the one five sixty one, whatever the what is where the store was on the corner. So. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's been really interesting. I've made more progress in the last week on on some of this stuff than I have in years before. Cause I could just never get could never get anything on all these all these Polish people because they keep changing their freaking names and everything. But yep. now that they're now that some of the documentation is caught up and I can find out who's done hard time and all that stuff, it's it's getting pretty interesting. See, I trust this stuff way more than that the DNA testing. Did you see that the, it came out that that DNA testing is basically all just like they only they only sequence a small a small percentage of the DNA and then they extrapolate from there. So it's all kind of like the one place did like an investigative piece where they they sent their dogs DNA in and it did like this whole like you grew up in Denmark and blah 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 and it wasn't even close to being correct and they did it a few times and then they did it for like humans and each time it came back something different and it was just yeah. I, I trust this kind of work that you're doing on Ancestry where it's actually like written logs and f- photographs and news clippings and things like that versus some kind of formula that was spit out by a computer. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I don't know. This I, I, I could make this a dimwit challenge, but I don't, I don't if you know what our great-grandmother's on, on the wit side, what her name was. On, on the on the Marlow side or on the wit no, side? No, on the wit, on the wit side. So... Grandpa Cooler's uh, mother, Stefania. No, that's the St. Kevin's that, side. That, that was, no. yeah. So Helen Nelly. <laughs> her, her name on Nelly. her tombstone is Nelly. The name on her birth certificate is Anelia, and A N I E L A, Anelia. An Anelia. No, it's like Amelia with Amelia with an N. Yeah, it's misspelled because they're Polish. Yeah. Why, why could, would I bet it, a dollar on that? That I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just trying to win six. <laughs> six I'm trying to win six dollars back. All right. So the other interesting thing, and I think we, we, uh, I think you know this at least. So we talk about l- l- literature and the whole, the whole Witcher started off as a series of books. On the other side of our Polish family, the Sienkiewiczs, right? So that makes it even harder. Wit is, I mean, that's one thing, right? <laughs> those, it's hard to screw up those couple of letters. Sienkiewicz or Sienkiewicz. That is all sorts of different spellings, I before E oh. and all of that. There's like a whole bunch of consonants, not a lot of vowels. But, and this is, again, I would love to be able to prove this because this is other than our, um, you know, our, our Polish relatives, which there was a lot of alcoholism. But this is one of the stories yes. that was passed down was um, there's a famous author called uh, Heinrich uh, Sienkiewicz, Henry Sienkiewicz, that wrote at, the, what at one point was the most widely distributed book of all time called Quo Vadis. Like it was translated in all these different languages. It was second at one point to the Bible in terms of like how, why, cause it'd been around forever. Right. Sure. This book called, called Quo Vadis. I've tried to read Quo Vadis twice. 
I can't get past the third page. Like it's Roman Empire type of stuff written by a Polish guy, but it's 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 a it's a hard read. I'm not going to lie, um, but because our family Sienkiewicz, his name is Sienkiewicz, and again the 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 lore in our family passed down was that we we were related to him. I mean, you don't have to go super far back, but you got to go far back than I've ever been able to go uh, to connect to him. So hmm, I had no idea. Yeah. So oh, you're right. Interesting that. Cool so we, I, I, yeah, we yeah. I have a copy if you want it. Um, uh, I'll send it to you. But it's uh, yeah, it looks a little put, bit heavier heavier than what I uh, currently want to read. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. big book about like Roman Empire type of stuff. Like not tops of my reading list. But I always thought it was cool. Like you know, because I, I bought it. This and I bought this like way before the internet and stuff. Like or, or at least before the stuff was widely accessible on the internet. And I bought like, hey, I heard this guy's related to us. I buy this book and I'm like, three pages in, I'm asleep on multiple occasions. <laughs> so oh yeah. Anyway, so that that all leads us to why I think Chris and I have this, um, you know, allure or kind of this connection with the with the Witcher, which is you know, it it, it's, it has some Polishness to it, right? I mean, it's still it's Dude. a fictional fictional land, but yeah, but all all of the myths are all it's Slavic, like it's not a hundred percent Polish, but like all the the genealogy of that region gets muddled at a certain time anyway. So like all the monsters, like the the original monster that shows up in the very first scene, the the screaming spider, that's an old Polish proverb or fable or something that that each one of the monsters or whatever the 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 mythology is is 100% slavic so but that's like even like the the locations it's always raining and muddy and like that's what i imagine poland was like in in medieval times or the romanias or transylvanias or any of those anias in the region like that's what it you can tell the game of thrones was basically england or mainland europe where this is this is eastern europe this is the, this is the dirty rainy mountainy parts of the the yeah. country so yeah I think I said in the text that I sent you, I was like, it's like the Polish, the most Polish show ever. Because like even at the beginning, like the the citizens, the general public, they all had big noses and they were blonde. <laughs> like it was all, it all <laughs> right. kind of looked like Pol- they, they looked Polish. And then obviously, as they introduced the aristocrats or the nobles of the region, they they start transferring into more of a British accent. But I just like the way he grunts through the whole thing. He's just angry and swears and grunts a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so so let's 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 get into that show a little bit, right? So if you haven't seen The Witcher, this is the, the part of the podcast where you either keep listening and you, we're going to ruin some stuff for you, or you can pause it and go watch it, and come back, whatever, whatever you want to do, um, or skip forward for about I don't know ten minutes. Um, so, anyways, the, the the idea here is, and one of the reasons that I I think I like it, I and, and we talked about this on the podcast before, particularly when they aired the Game of Thrones finale. Um, I just had a hard time, like with the. There was there were so many characters that was developed slowly over a period of time that was just it was I, I don't know I had a hard time following it at some points, um, and it was I don't know there's a thing about The Witcher I think that's a, there's a little bit of that but it's also I feel like it carries itself a little bit lighter it centers really around a couple of key characters uh, it's not quite as expansive of a universe we have like all these four families and you're trying to develop it like that like they were doing with Game of Thrones. I feel like it's a little bit tighter. And again, it, I don't, there's, a, there's an aspect of it. I don't know. Maybe it's the way it's shot or just some of the dialogue where it just doesn't. I don't think it takes itself quite as seriously as some of the Game of Thrones stuff. What do you think? 
Sure. That's well. That's that's my two biggest qualms with the series. Now, I love, absolutely love the series. Is one the the dialogue itself? It couldn't it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be medieval or modern. It mixes a little bit of more of a modern vernacular in, and it can't really tell when it wants to do it. There's no hard and fast rules, so it's just kind of disjointing. But I guess it wants to separate itself from Thrones, which I'm okay with. The second one is. The, there's a piece of information that you get in, I think it's like episode six of an episode eight, eight episode season that brings everything together. It For me, the first few episodes were kind of plotting. Like I watched the first episode without subtitles on, which if if you're having problems with names and, and locations of places, it helps when you have the, the subtitles on where you can at least see what, what's a name and kind of start identifying it. So I rewatched the first one with the subtitles on and I started getting into it a little bit more. But then when you figure out about its multiple timelines and then when those timelines finally come together and you don't have to do the world building or explain who all these different warring factions are and, you know, who are, why the elves hate this people and why do these people hate these people and all this stuff. Like once you get past all the world building and it hits, it hits the, the main crux of the story, those last two episodes are awesome. Are, are two of my favorite fantasy episodes of television that I've seen in a long time, Game of Thrones included. Like the mage battle at the end when they when they're trying to hold that fort when it's only like twenty two sorcerers and mages fighting <laughs> against this army of people was awesome. Like the special effects were awesome. The people you cared about, like you cared about Yennefer and, and all that. Like it was just the spectacle of it was fantastic. And I think once you established, I get why they did it. I, it just missed for me a little bit because they make no reference whatsoever at all. Like there's a few little breadcrumbs that you, if you stitch together, you can figure out that it's multiple timelines and then they finally kind of coalesce at the same time. But I had a little bit of a hard time with that. And, and, and Thrones did the same thing too, right? You were like, um, and maybe they didn't do quite as bad, but I have a hard time with that time jumping where they don't, they don't tell you like, yeah, like you're seeing the same event a couple of times from a couple of different angles. Like you're seeing the, you know, when Geralt is, um, um, he's in the keep, Right before the 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 Norgardian, what are they called? The the people that attack Nerf guard, the Nerf guard, the Nerf guard. Yeah, right before they attack. Remember, he was locked in the keep. So you see mm-hmm. that whole thing build up to there, and then that intersects with the really like the second episode, right, or something where they where they start the war and the queen dies and all that. So the queen dies and the princess goes goes running. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, it, that was that was. I had that that to me. I had some of that. Like, that was that same kind of Game of Thrones. Like, what? Wait, wait, huh? What? I got to <laughs> rewind that. And and you're right. Like, and 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 uh, when I started watching Peaky Blinders, and Dan was like, "You need to watch it with the subtitles on." I watch almost everything now on Netflix, particularly when it gets into <laughs> fantasy with the subtitles on because it really helps. Particularly when I'm sitting outside um, in the outdoor theater. And you don't want it on super loud. And, yeah. <laughs> right. If it's if it's quiet and if it's quiet dialogue and you do, and there's words that you need to hear, like that's especially well, Peaky Blinders is a little bit different because at least it kind of phonetically spells out what the 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 Cockney North Birmingham accent is spitting out at that point in time, which is some of it's just gibberish. It's like if you watch, do you remember the movie Snatch where Brad Pitt played the gypsy boxer? 
and you have no idea basically what he's saying. If you ever get a yeah. chance, watch the subtitles. Watch the subtitles <laughs> on that because whoever whoever typed those up has a pretty good sense of humor. So he does it phonetically, or he or she did it phonetically of what Brad Pitt was supposed to be saying in those scenes, and then kind of changes it. So like, if you need a good laugh, watch nice. that one. But but especially with with The Witcher, there's just so many names that you can't tell if they're names or if they're names for things that you're supposed to know, but having a capitalization here or a lowercase here definitely kind of helps you separate what is important versus what isn't. One of the biggest, one of my other problems that I have is the guy that left, leaded the nerf or led the nerf guard or whatever they were called, the black knight. He, he looked like a, he looked like a, a, like a living rat. He was supposed to be like kind of intimidating, but he was like younger. I, I didn't particularly care for that particular dude, but other than that, I mean, Henry Cavill as Geralt, Geralt was fantastic. The girl that plays Yennefer was great and beautiful to look at. I have no qualms with that, and I'm really excited. They already greenlit season two, like before season one even dropped. Yeah, they 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 at the end they said, "Hey, season two has already been approved or whatever to get you coming back." Now we'll probably see that in, what 2025 or something. I don't know. Did you did you hear the news that came out about Mindhunter? Uh-uh. There's not going to be a season three. They let everybody out of their contracts. No, really? Yeah, apparently there was some kind of labor dispute or contract dispute and then creative decisions and all of that. And apparently they just let everybody out of their contracts. Oh, yeah. That's my my biggest. That was such a good show. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Luckily, we have a lot of good shows, though. Like, (laughs) that's the problem. Like, yeah, like I still haven't finished season two of Mindhunter. Like, I'm like halfway through it. But now, like now that I know it's not going to have an appropriate conclusion, dude. They just one of my biggest my biggest annoyances that got ever got canceled was a show called Hannibal. Do you remember that, Steve? When they did like the the Red Dragon arc of the Hannibal Lecter series that was on NBC and it was on at like ten o'clock at night, so they got away with making it like super super graphic and very bloody and and really kind of. But it was like high art. It was they, they did this gorgeous set design of like the murder scene to made it look like a like a painting. It was just really good. And they they canceled that, and I was so mad because it was like watching a masterclass in like production design and and just cinematography. And then now they just greenlit a series of after Silence of the Lambs with somebody new playing Clary Starling. Get out of here. Just go back and make make the Silence of the Lambs version of that show of Hannibal. Right. Bring that back for one more season, but it got canceled. And no matter how many online petitions get started, they just don't bring them back. So move on to something else. Same thing with Mindhunter. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, I'm still holding out for Punisher, right? The one that yeah. was on Netflix that coming back on like Disney Plus or something. Um, I don't know. Dude. Feels I like think that's that little... might be done. Yeah, he was good. Um, what's his name, John? Um, Johnny Barenthal. Yeah, he was really good as uh, Punisher, Frank Castle. Um, Let's see what it was. Yep. That might but dude, how how good here. was the sword? Yeah, <laughs> that how good was the sword fighting in in The Witcher? Like that's what at least in the end of the first episode, which was a lot of setup and a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, dialogue to kind of give you a background and everything and then he gets to the sword fight when he comes back into town when he wants to go fight Renfrey 
and he has to fight he has to fight her henchman and he does the sword fights where he he puts his sword through the dude's head and then lifts straight straight up i was like yeah that was that was awesome that's how <laughs> i that's kind of the calling card i get people to watch the show i was like here just watch this sequence and if you think this looks interesting just watch the show and then they're like okay i'm in but like i was telling you last episode that's the stunt coordinator that's the guy that played the night king in game of thrones he really wanted to create like the the broadsword fight sequences in Game of Thrones really weren't ornate. Like it was more hardcore battle sequences. Like Battle of the Bastards was all close quarter, you know, mm-hmm. hack and slash. Not really like a, a dance where the stunt coordinator wanted to make it kind of like the old school kung fu movies where it was a little bit more, you know, like a ballet or like a dance. So, whoa. <laughs> But like more, more. It's funny like that happened right as your so. sump, right as your sump pump kicked on. That happened. That's my sump. Yeah, I'm assuming that was a power surge of some sort. But <laughs> Henry, Cavill, all the stuff that comes out about Henry Cavill training for it, like carrying around the sword with him at all times just to get used to the weight of it and practicing and practicing and practicing. Like the dude, you can tell the dude loved what he did and outright refused to stunt double because those fight sequences are awesome, and you can tell that it's him. So and he is jacked. Like he, I mean, but, he is big. Like I don't remember see, him. You know, with this, he's only six one. Doesn't he look so much bigger than that? Like he's only an inch taller than me. And like they said, like at even when, and when he was completely shredded for Geralt, he still only weighed like hundred and ninety five pounds. Like really? I was expecting him to be like two twenty. Yeah, apparently his body fat drops to like four percent. He's like one of those freaks of genealogy oh, yeah. where he can literally hit hit cardio for a little bit. Like he gets bulky, he gets up to like two hundred, two hundred ten pounds, and then he does cardio for like a week and drops all the water weight and just comes out with like that eight pack and those fucking giant yeah, yeah. arms. And he's just like, yeah. But, but they he said is- even then, like. Yeah, six one two one ninety five. Like that's not that big. Like that's not much bigger than me. He looks like he's like six five. He looks like the rock size to me. He does. He looks really really big in in that show. Yeah, but then he starts swinging that sword around and he's like flipping it to himself, and it's just yeah, it's so good. It the, really like good. I said, the mate the mage battle. When they they make those little the the bombs with like the blessed rocks in it, and then they shoot them with the arrows, so it creates like that magic shrapnel, mm-hmm. where it's just like the blue flame falling from. The, don't you remember that the that that final sequence, Steve? Oh yeah, no, I just the, I just watched that on Friday. It was really good, so good. Like I remember, I was like laying on the couch watching it, and it started, and I was like, oh okay. So I sat up a little bit, and then that stuff happened, and I remember putting my feet on the ground. I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna watch this pretty closely. So yeah. Highly recommend it, especially yeah. like if you need something to fill that like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is more politics. This is more, yeah. There's a lot of politics in it, but this is more magic and monsters. And I really Ex- like. Yeah, exactly you do- right. You're exactly right. This would, to me, this is like a. It's, it's not a fair analogy, but I'm gonna say it anyways. A little bit like Beastmaster, like well, you know, it's, it's like it's more it's more D and D. Yeah, yeah. Okay, D&D there you go. Yeah. Versus then then this like a politics show then. That's what Thrones was. Thrones was all politics and, and the actual about the Game of Thrones. But this is a little bit more magic and monsters. And I love the way they use the, the chaos as the idea of how you control your magic. And you, it's like the force. You only have a limited. It takes a lot out of you to do it. And the, the better you are, the, the more you can do. And yeah, now, are they, they, It looks like they use the Stranger Things nosebleed magic thing. Sure. That, I guess it's that, but that's how you visually show trauma to the head. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, ear right, bleed, ear, 
ear bleeding, nose bleeding, or eyes bleeding. Like that's that's kind of how you do it. Usually, like if your brain, you have a brain injury, you either bleed out of your ear or your nose. So it's a and fair. He, is, does he wear contacts through the whole thing? I thought I read somewhere that I heard some. Maybe you told me that he like he he almost went blind because he left those contacts in all day and he had an eye infection. Maybe somebody yeah, at work was telling me, somebody at work was telling me that like. He wears a, a primarily orange, right? Like orange contacts. Um, yeah, it's like amber eyes. Yeah, but he got like you're only supposed to leave those contacts in for like three or four hours at a time max. And he was like all yeah. day filming and all that. He got an eye infection and almost went blind. Sure, sure, I can see that. Those things are gnarly. Like if you get the ones that like yeah, like the the Tim Burton one or not Tim Burton, but Tim Curry, that ones that he wore for Legend when he was Lord of Darkness, like almost destroyed his eyes. That's why he always refused to do anything that required heavy prosthetics. Like when they wanted him to do Pennywise, he was like, I don't want to do a whole lot of prosthetics, especially stuff towards my eyes. And they're like, all right, you only have like two, two scenes where you have that. He's like, all right, deal. Right. So, but yeah, I can imagine that would destroy his eyes and that big white haired wig that he's got to wear. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he created a real good character there with that big, with the ponytail and he looks like all big and he, like you said, he grunts a lot. <laughs> He's like this mutant, like, I don't know the way, I, again, I think the way they did the character development at the beginning, like where it just, you kind of, he came in, he's got this, everybody kind of knows, like they don't like witchers. He's got a reputation and they kind of, just the way they build his character up. Again, I think your point, there wasn't a ton of excitement in the first couple episodes, but they gave you, like, you understand who he is. Yeah. And and then you put him in through all this stuff, so. Yeah. And you and you have to take that time in the beginning. I, once you, once it hits, it, once he hits the, the, the timelines aligning, it makes enough sense that they spent that much time building up the characters. Like, you have to go back and you're like, oh, okay, it's a new world. It, it has to show you why it's different than Game of Thrones or any other of those fantasy-based shows it has to explain this world and there's a lot going on it's not nearly as expansive as game of thrones but there's still a lot there's still a lot of different factions and warring parties and there's elves and humans and hybrids and all that stuff so it it takes some time to build all that stuff but when it does and finally hits the ground running like episode six it's really really good and i'm really excited to see where they go with season two and yennefer's really hot yeah, like, and she's an actress that, like, before that had been in a couple of TV shows, and she's yeah. kind of the star or co-star alongside. Uh, is it Cav- how do you pronounce it? Cavill, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. I think Cavill, Cavill. I don't know. Carville, whatever. Henry, Hank. I always forget until you see like a Instagram video of him how British he is. Because I thought it was like his American accent's really barely noticeable. You can't tell that he's actually British, and then he comes out and he just speaks normally, and you're like, "Oh yeah, super British." So many of those Brits do. Like you, you forget that we as Americans have accents, and then you get people like yep. um, uh, the guy, uh, the guy. Uh, why am I placing on his name? Andrew Lincoln, like from uh, uh, Walking yeah, Dead. <laughs> yeah, the first time I heard him talk, I'm like, "What the hell?" He sounds like he sounded like a guy, like a he sounded like a cop from Georgia. Yep, it's Hugh he, Laurie, Doctor House. Oh right, you forget, yeah, yeah. You forget, you forget he's super British, and then you hear it, and you're like, oh yeah, forgot about that. All those guys. Yeah, I wish I could do a good British accent, but I can't. All right. So, anything else in The Witcher? No, uh, that was a good recommendation. That was a good. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good eight episode arc. Eight episodes are good. Um, 
you know, I can I can finish it in like a you know couple of weeks, and uh, and then move on to something else. So that was that was a good recommendation. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next they season. Start, they start production soon. He just Henry Cavill had a thing on his Instagram. It says he was going to the gym to start training again. So they're supposed to start production within the next few months. So it should be out by the beginning of next year, I would assume. Oh, nice. Yeah, and they have. Um, and there's like, and this is all. There's a book series. It's like, I don't know what five or how many books. There's a bunch, a bunch of books, a yeah, couple I think, video I games, think it's five book. Yeah, it's three video games. I think it's five novels, and then a couple short story compendiums that kind of take place in the same thing. But I think the books involve the three main characters: that Princess Cirilla and Yennefer of whatever Vengaborn and Geralt of Rivia. So I'm kind of curious. I didn't know anything about. I knew about the game series, but I didn't know it was based on books until I looked it up a little bit when they announced this series. So I might give a give the first one a read. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. All the the show is going to adapt the books. It's not going to touch the video games. So I'm kind of curious how close it stays to the to the books. Yeah, I'm still like I still have half of the stand that I wanted to reread before the miniseries came out, and the miniseries comes out by the end of the year, and I'm only half the way through it, so I have 800 pages left to read of that. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, stupid, stupid, Chris. You know, let's reread the longest book that Stephen King's ever read before a miniseries comes out that you might watch. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I was. I, I feel. I'm feeling really like. I don't want to say. I don't know. Guilt is the right word, but. I need to. I haven't read a book cover to cover in a long time. I, I've done some audio books, but I need to. Yeah. I have some good books that I I need to read, and I just don't. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to make time for, and I just don't make time for it. Agreed. And I'm All right, upset so, about it. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. There's. I got the Beastie Boys book. I'm about halfway through that. Maybe a quarter of the way through that. That's great. Um, it's a big book. Oh, you see, they're coming out with a movie, by the way. Like it's getting released. No. Like um, they did a whole um, uh, Adderock and Mike D did a movie about the Beastie Boys, I think, with Spike Jones. I did not. Hold on, looking it up. Beastie Boys movie. I suppose I think no, it comes out in April, yeah. maybe March. Yeah, Apple TV Plus has now the rights to a Beastie Boys story, the documentary about legendary rap trio produced by Spike Jones. Yeah. The movie features Adam Horowitz and Mike Diamond discussing the group's 40-year friendship and the rise to fame as a hip-hop exploded in the late 80s. Huh. I don't have Apple Plus. Crap balls. Me neither. And I don't know that I'm getting it for... Well, I might get it good for the Beastie Boys. All right. Um, so the other... Ready to transition? Sure. Yeah, let's go from Beastie Boys to something else. <laughs> I mean, I could, we could do a whole thing on the Beastie Boys. Uh, I need to read more books. I think everybody out there should read more books. Um, yeah, books are great. Agreed. Um, so the other, you know, and Chris will often do this, and I appreciate you for doing this too, right? Because you turn me on to things I wouldn't normally watch, right? Like I, I spend a significant amount of my time, like I waste a significant amount of my time that I probably could be reading books, scrolling through the homepage of Netflix, the homepage of Amazon Prime, and the homepage of Hulu, looking for stuff to watch. Yep. Looking for new stuff to watch, right? And sure. you will send me a text like The Witcher. Hey, have you watched it? I was like, no. Is it good? And you're like, it, it's this. I watched it. It was awesome. Um, you texted me. This was, what, two weeks ago maybe? Um, watch Ready or Not, right? You, had, you I think you would, <laughs> and we talked about this at the end of episode, uh, season eight, episode one, that you had gone out and, and, and went to the theater 
with Aaron, saw Knives Out, and then which I haven't seen yet, and then came back and then put on Ready or Not, and then and then you just like, hey, watch Ready or Not. So yep. I did, knowing nothing about what Ready or Not was. Like, didn't even really watch the trailer. Like, read a little bit of the you know the description they have on like Amazon Prime or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But Vince and I, so Vince, my oldest son who lives in in, in Florida, was up for the weekend that we kind of did like a late Christmas thing. So him and I was like, he's like, we sat outside in my, my, my cigar lounge and we watched ready or not in the freezing cold, mm-hmm. um, knowing nothing about what to expect. And wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of good though. Going into a movie with no expectations. I'm just happy that I wasn't like, Hey family, like, like Janine would have hated that movie. Um, I think Maya and Charlie would have hated that movie. It was. Like, I, th- it- I think. I think Maya would have enjoyed it. I think she would have enjoyed the tongue in cheek, the tongue in cheek reference to people who take themselves too seriously, and, and and then the nod to the supernatural at the end. Like that's what I mean. Like it was just one of those movies that defies genre and expectations. And every time you're watching it, and you're like, you think somebody's doing something stupid, that main girl played by Samara Weaving actually said it out loud. And I remember it happened like twice early in the movie about her making reference to how ridiculous the whole situation is. And, and it's just, she's such a perfect audience surrogate that as you're watching, you can't help but root for her. And she makes a great final girl, the whole women's empowerment thing where she does the look at herself in the mirror with the torn wedding dress and the sneakers and the, I think the ax or, or the crossbow. And she kind of smirks. Like, it's just, <laughs> right. That's what I mean. It's, it's funny. It's dark. It's weird. It's, it's violent. It's everything that you want. It's one of those movies I'm upset. I didn't see it in a pack theater opening night because I feel like there have been hooting and hollering and cheering and just that kind of, I, I was doing it by myself in an empty house where I was like smiling and laughing and I clapped my hands once or twice. And it was like, yeah, that's what I like out of movies. Like I I always come back to the same reference. Not everything has to be the pianist. Not everything has to be Schindler's list. (laughs) Movies can be be weird and funny and violent and it doesn't necessarily make a, a, a reference to your psychosis or any of that. Like it just, it can be fun. And that's why as soon as I got done watching it, I just texted like you and like four or five of my friends, like just watch it. Like don't even watch the trailer. Cause I even think the trailer gives a little bit too much away. It's just, it's just a fun, weird movie that you're, you're entertained for two yeah. hours easily. And the premise, so, I think the premise was great, right? The idea behind it, right? So the setup for this movie is, this family, like they're like the Parker brothers, Milton Bradley. I think it was kind of inspired yeah. by the, the those families that created all these games. They started off years with the well, I don't know what whatever it was, eighteen hundred, seventeen hundreds, making playing cards, and then they got into doing um, other games. And, and the and the kind of the family patriarch at one point made a deal with this guy, right, which was the devil. Kind of made a deal with the devil that. Um, to, to make their company super prosperous and their family super wealthy, but in doing so, making a pact with the devil that there were certain rules that they needed to follow and anybody new into the family had to play a, play a game and all that. And if they didn't do that, then the devil would come back and destroy the family, right? That's kind of the, right. that's kind of the premise. And 
they the way they rolled it out was really cool. Like you're like this is a, like it's one of those things where like you're steeped in tradition. And sometimes you do things just because of tradition, but then you're like, oh, but when you play Ready or Not, or when you play Hide and Seek, you're like, oh, this is not checkers. <laughs> this is something a little bit more serious. And it just slowly like, well, that's they're just they're just messing around. But then they start like you're like, oh, this is gonna be this is like. Oh, what was the uh, what was the ice? When the, the drug, when the drug was... addict sister accidentally shoots the maid in the face with the crossbow, like when she comes running in to tell her a piece of information and she's all hopped up on cocaine and she accidentally <laughs> shoots her in the face, like, and you laugh and then she falls to the ground and the poor helpless maid is gurgling on the ground <laughs> while the family is trying to figure out how to get out of the situation like that's it that's one of those ones that immediately as it happens it sets a tone for the rest of the movie like that character the, the character of the drug addict sister or sister-in-law is great the weird eccentric or eccentric son-in-law is great adam brody as the the other son is there's not a bad character andy mcdowell is kind of the burnout matriarch of the family it's all, <laughs> right. they're all they're all good and they're they're not train killers they're just rich people that have to produce they have to do this ceremony every once in a while to appease lay whatever his name is the it's just, apparently it's an anagram of balal which is uh from the eggs goeth which is like this weird old manuscript that was written about talking to demons that's something i researched for the sullivan thing that i've been working on for a while but like once you start making those kind of references and making the tongue in cheek humor, it, it sets the tone for a movie that ends up being extremely, extremely entertaining. Like you root for that girl, you root for that Samara Weaving by like halfway through it, and then you just root for her to win. And spoiler alert, she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was awesome. Like, like, like it takes- was, a, it was a fun, it was a fun ride, and I, I love. Like I know we've I mentioned this before. Like I love. Like those kind of haunted house, like it, it felt like an older movie. You know what I mean? At least in the, mm-hmm. it, it, like we talked about Clue on here because Maya did Clue for, um, for for her for play at school. So we watched the movie. I think they're remaking it. I heard. Yeah, um, I, I heard it was going to be like Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. All right. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it's hard to go wrong with there. But the first, like, wasn't the um, first one's flawless. It's Tim yeah. Tim Curry. Ma- Tim Martin Curry, Mull. right? Yeah. Tim Curry, Martin Mall. I'm trying to think who else is in it, but like it, Colin that Camp. Movie is so yeah. yeah, Michael McKean from Spinal Tap. Yeah. Uh, who else? Laverne There's Shirley. a few other ones. But that's yeah. so, so good. And like that's one of those that apparently didn't test well at the time and wasn't really commercially or financially successful. And you look back and you're like, how? How is a that movie, movie yeah. not considered one of the greatest, one of the greatest like haunted house murder mystery comedies of all time? Mm-hmm. And then. But if they're going to remake it, if you want that kind of sarcastic humor and tongue-in-cheek about the whole, all the cliches of the murder mystery, then yeah, mm-hmm. give me Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. Sure. Yeah. And it. I love those big old houses. Like, you know, in Private Eyes, one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know why. It just it is because it's hilarious. <laughs> and it, it's Tim Sonnen. It's, awesome. it's Don Knotts. But in the Biltmore State, right, which is like the largest – private residence was well, not private anymore but in the u.s the biggest right. mansion in the u.s like this mat the fact that you can get lost in it right that there's hidden corridors and all this stuff which they we you had that ready or not like there was this whole you could sneak through these back room or you know back uh corridors and everything i just yeah. thought that was really cool 
but like I like how they build it up that there's all these secret corridors and she's going to use them to get away from it. And the first turn she makes, she comes out and like they're trying to look for it. She just walks out right in front of them. Like, oh, that, <laughs> that didn't work. Right. Yeah. But that's Steve. If you're talking about like cool old houses and go see Knives Out before it's out of the theater. Like it's one of those that is so well written and so well acted and. It has it has a lot to do with this cool old house, this estate that the family lives on, and they're all fighting over. And and it's, it's like yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, she plays yeah. she plays the daughter of of Christopher Plummer, who's like this guy that wrote all of these Agatha Christie murder mysteries. And he's at they're they're going to he changed his will, and they were going to do like this whole ceremony where he was going to tell him and stuff, and he ends up dead and. They bring in Benoit Blanc is is Daniel Craig's character. He's like this southern gentleman, private investigator that they bring in, and it's the the character from the Agatha Christie books. It's the Hercules Pinois, whatever his name is. It's like his version of it, and it's it's so good. And we saw it like we saw it maybe a month after it was out. It's been out for like six weeks or something. We saw it maybe three or four weeks, and the theater was still relatively full in the same kind of atmosphere that I wanted for Ready or Not. Like, people were kind of into it, and, mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, really good. And they just, I think he's doing a sequel to it. So I'm all for it. Give me more murder mystery stuff like that. Yeah. Of things that unfold, and you can play detective as you're watching it. So Exactly. Yeah, but, yeah I'm, in, I'm in on that type of stuff. Like, um yeah, any of those. That was like a genre for a long time, the murder mystery type yeah. of thing. Like in the old, in the old house with the secret passageways. And yeah. The, it's awesome. Yeah. So we got. So was it fair to say we have like a resurgence of that genre between Ready or Not and Knives Out and some of these? I hope so. I, I, I want I want it to be. I hope, though. I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy that genre. So if there is going to be a resurgence, sure. And especially of that quality of, of Ready or Not and Knives Out are both – Maybe some of my favorite movies I saw last year. So, yeah, nice. give me give me that all day. And I didn't really like the guys that wrote and directed it. I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about. Like they did some sequences in VHS, the horror anthology, and there's another one called Southbound that was decent. But I mean, outside of that, hadn't really done anything on a on a scale of that. But if they continue making stuff like that, could yeah, color me intrigued. I want some more of that. Nice. All right, so. Ready or not, thumbs up for sure. Um, sure. Just be careful; it's gory. If you're going to watch it, you got to like, you got to like, like crazy stuff. Like it, to your point, um, that first scene where the coked out daughter <laughs> shoots yeah. shoots that wasn't that the daughter? No, it was the, I don't yeah, know. It was the, I, yeah, it's yeah, the it was daughter. the sister of the two mate of Daniel and um, the other guy, yeah. right? Where she has like the old school gun and she just shoots the one, <laughs> the like one of the maid in the face in the face that, yeah, and, so. and it was so jarring you're like oh my god <laughs> like, yep and that, that's what i mean it, it makes it a point to show that the violence isn't pretty it takes a second that the, the the maid moans and rolls around on the floor for a second and all yeah. the family members acknowledge it and at one point in time even the crazy Aunt, doesn't she beat one of them to death because it's no, just she, so, <laughs> no, she cuts her head. Yeah, she cuts her head off. That's right. With yeah. the giant axe that she's carrying. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. So good. All right. So one one other thing, I want to go back to something we talked about. So on season eight, episode one, if you go back and listen to it, um, we we touched on the the Rise of Skywalker movie, right? And we in, in part of that discussion, you and I mentioned we, we we talked about Solo, which was the only Star Wars movie. That I hadn't seen. So last night, 
Charlie and I and Janine and Maya for a little bit of it um, watched Solo. And I got to say, not bad. Not bad, like, right? Not like- like I enjoyed it. I was like, I was like Charlie because Charlie's been so into Star Wars. Like he, the Mandalorian has kind of he's he's back rewatching. He's almost done with rewatching Clone Wars. Then he's wow. going to move to Rebels. You know, he's reading all this canon stuff. He's got a bunch of the book. Like he's really into the stories and stuff of of Star Wars. Um, and and kind of the like the myth behind it, like we talked last time. So we went back and watched Solo, and I was like, it's not. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not good. I'm not. Gonna he gave say it. He gave it a seven. He gave it a seven out of ten. That yeah, sounds about like right. Three and a half stars out of five. So the, there's just the the bad moments in it kind of overshadow the good moments in it. I, I know that sounds petty, but like the, the idea of where he got his last name from, I almost threw the remote at the television. <laughs> I was like, boo! <laughs> I was like, shut up! I don't need that. But watching Donald Glover. As young Billy D. Williams as Lando as just just big bravado. That was good. That right? was good. Yeah, like, that was that was good. The flying the, sequences were cool. The the kid like showing the castle run was cool. But it's just like that. The the Han Solo. What's your name, Han? And what's your last name? I don't know. I'm by myself. Okay, Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, yeah. That, and, that yeah, there was, but there. I think and I don't even I don't know nothing about the guy who played Han Solo, but he yeah. did, there was a little. There was enough like with the writing and the act. There was enough. You were kind of like, all right, this is. You can see the character developing Han Solo. You could see some of the traits. He just wasn't likable. He wasn't as likable as as Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford could say these lines where he's sounding like the biggish the biggest asshole on the face of the planet, but you loved him for it because of Harrison Ford's kind of self-assured confidence, but still likable where this kid didn't have that quality for me. And like, I always, when they were getting ready to do the casting, it was, when they said it was up between him and a few other people, I always thought it should be that Ansel Engort, the guy that played baby in baby driver. Did you see that one? The Edgar Wright, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I always thought he had that same kind of standoffish, roguish charm, but likable enough to pull off Han Solo. So, like, I got stuck on that when they cast this other kid because he was the, the the kid that played Han in in the movie was in a movie called Hail Caesar, which was a Coen Brothers George Clooney movie, and he was okay in that. But I don't. I, I got so stuck on that casting decision that I almost held resentment when I watched it. So the mm. whole time I'm I'm picturing the other kid in that role, and I think that makes it even better. I'm still not going to say it didn't have its flaws, and that stupid last name reveal would still be in there, and I don't think the kid from Baby Driver is a good enough actor to pull that line off without making it sound horribly, horribly written. Boo. <laughs> but... So tell me I, how you I, felt about that. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, it was it was exciting. It was cool watching a young Chewie run around and be badass. And the flying sequences were pretty cool. And it, it does give a little bit of depth to the story of Carilla where, or Cerulea or whatever its name, where Han was from. And I, I, yeah, outside of a few cringeworthy reveals and my problems with the lead. It was. It had its moments. Yeah, and he wasn't. Again, he wasn't horrible. But you're right. He he was missing that, and it's hard, right? How do you how do you take what Harrison Ford brought to that character, yeah. and how do you how do you bottle it up? Because it's something that's just 
yeah, you're right. It it it, it borderline. It's like it's it's an it's a likable arrogance, mm-hmm. right? And you there's few people that can pull that off. Yeah, well, that's why Harrison Ford is a megastar is because you can't. <laughs> like, that's – Indiana Jones is kind of the same way. He's like, Absolutely. It, yeah, he yeah. could – any other actor in that role could come off kind of like a pompous a-hole, like where Harrison Ford does it, and he's just, oh, it's just it's just Harrison Ford being a lovable rogue. and That, that kid's close, and he does resemble a young Harrison Ford, but it's just – he comes off more like a D than what it should have been. Right. And, man, I Woody Harrelson – I love Woody Harrelson. I Good love Woody Lord. Harrelson. I love Paul Bettany. I I, I do like I I enjoy Paul Bettany, that. the guy who played the the villain, whatever his name was, the, Trist, the scars. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Vi- he's Vision from. The... And, was, and was that? Oh, was that the guy who played Vision? Yeah, that's where I recognize him. And that was that was Amelia Clark too, right? From Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't when the in the opening I didn't recognize her, and then when when she came back later, like when they met up with her later on. Yeah. Um. Then I was like, "Oh my god, that's clearly her, Danny, the, Danny Targaryen." Like, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, like you know, like almost a brand new Millennium Falcon, like you know, yeah. I mean? like like hey, it's like old. it's all shiny and everything. And it's then, all shi- and it had the the thing on the front, the transport carrier or like the cargo carrier that used to be in between the thing that on the front where it could pick stuff up. But over the time when we saw it, it'd been so beaten up that it didn't exist. And I was like, "That right. was cool." Oh, and they, the the uh, escape pod, they jettisoned yeah. jet out the escape pod, and the way they landed it on that planet, where then it was just after Han flew it and completely, completely destroyed it. I was like mm. that, like there was good stuff in there, or the 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 origin story between Han and Chewie. You know, I mean, yeah. how they kind of developed that relationship, and there there was some cool, there was some cool, good fan service in there. Like huh. to me, it was not it was not a get up and walk out of the theater. It was it was one of the best Star Wars movies. No. No, um, but it was good. I, yeah, yeah, put it on par with like some of the mediocre Marvel movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd st- I still watch it. I, I would watch it if it was on. I don't think it was as terrible as everyone thought it was or said it was. But no, he's, he's, I had no, I had no problem around. with it. Everybody, yeah. like, I you go on the the Star Wars, any of the Star Wars the timelines or on Twitter, people bash like Rogue One. I friggin' love Rogue One. Yep. It's one of my favorite of the non-original trilogies that's been out there. And everyone's like, well, there's no character development, blah, blah, blah. I know. They're going to die. I, why, why do I need to have all that character development? Like, Just give me an yeah. interesting heist movie that keeps it moving and keeps it fresh and yeah. doesn't get boiled down in these big these big ep- or these big friggin' eulogies and, and monologues where people have to give all this information. We have the information. Just do something captivating that keeps my attention for 90, 90 minutes right. or an hour and an hour and 45. <laughs> yeah. So. No, I mean, we, and we talked about this in the last episode, which is – you know, I, I have a hard time. I think people in general, when you go back and try to do origin stories, mm. you're, you're messing with the story that people set up in their mind, and you're messing with myth a little bit. And the thing about myth is, when you, it's like meeting a celebrity, right? You mm-hmm. kind of hold them like you, you have a, you, in your mind, you have a view of what a person is or who they are, and you meet them like almost rarely do they do anything but disappoint, even if they're yep. just who they are. And you, but you have such a higher expectation of them, and that's the same thing with these. Like you know, when you go back to when they did the the Anakin story, and oh, we're gonna show how he turns into Darth Vader. I was like, I don't know that you needed that, right? I Um, didn't. I I know personally for me, I did not need to have that explained to me. I liked it better when it was myth. I don't need to see him throw a temper tantrum because of sand. Sand. (laughs) I hate sand. It gets everywhere. It is sand. Sand. 
Darth Vader <laughs> hates sand. That's that's how Luke defeats him now. He just throws a handful of sand in sand Vader's in face. face. Yeah, I hate sand. And and yeah, and it, again, I think it was the same thing with Solo. Like likable characters, everything. We there's a myth to how he became who he is. Let it like like let it be. And then, which brings us full circle to, and, and and Charlie said this when we were talking last night after Solo, he's just like, the the Mandalorian to him rejuvenated his love for Star Wars. Yep. 100%. Right? Like, it just to get him into the wider universe and the story behind the story. And he started to play the um, the Old Republic, which is the... Knights like of the Old Republic. Yep. The the, the uh, basically it's the World of Warcraft in the Star Wars universe. It's been out for like ten years. I didn't even think it was still a thing because yep, no, it certainly is. And they keep updating it. It's free now. Like I don't even think you have to pay to play it. And he's been he's been playing that. But that's one of those things that suck you in. Like you need hours to invest in those role playing games. But sure. it's cool because it's called, like Jedi Fallen Order. That's supposed to be really good. Oh, so he's played that. I told you that's what he's going to go as for Comic Con. <laughs> is he's going to dress up as um, the the character from the Fallen Order, the video game. That game is awesome. Yeah. Do you have an Xbox? I do not. An Xbox One X, because yeah, it, it, I haven't seen a game like that where again, there's no multi online. It's not like Battlefront, whatever you can go on and play. It's like it's a hundred percent story mode. That's cool. Um, but there is some really cool. It reminds me a little bit of like Tomb Raider. Or something like it's one of those like story mode, but the lighting and the way it's animated. I mean, you, video games have come so far, so far. So he's going to go as the character from that, right? Which is again, it happens after Order sixty six, um, where the Jedi's are all in hiding, and he plays a Jedi, and 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 he's trying to learn from you know master and develop Jedi skills, kind of doing it in hiding. So it's awesome. Yeah. Which then led me to the fact that if you're not going to come out for Emerald City Comic Con and we can't go as the speeder bike pilots, I came up with my costume last night. Which is, um, I'm going to be a like Darth like Darth Maul, but as a as a, a, a exotic dancer. Oh boy, I'm going to go as a strip mall. Uh, you remember that the GIF I sent you of the monkey playing the drums? Yeah, just imagine that mentally playing the drum hit. And yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, the kids thought that was funny. It's kind of funny. Let me go as a strip mall. How are you gonna pull it off though? Uh, if you actually pull it off, you could probably. If you send me a picture, I will send it into like nerd websites that do like <laughs> that do like aggregators for like best you know costume or cosplay at conventions and stuff. Yeah, send it over. I'll make you go viral. Yeah, and it'll go um just which, like Magic Mike with just like stirrups and like a leather vest all painted red with the yep. horns. Uh, oh my gosh, there you go. Yeah, strip mall. That'd be with, the, good. with the red face and everything. I thought the appearance going back to solo, the appearance of Darth Maul and that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like little Easter egg. Well, not that's not necessarily an Easter egg because they show them, but, but like that kind of stuff, making it tying it into it to a certain extent, sure. But Ben Solo or Han Solo it's because he was by himself. Oh, he's very cool. He fucking solo. Like, shut up. Like, boo. I would have thrown my popcorn at the screen had I seen it in the theater. But, yeah. But that, but other than that, like, I don't, uh, again, not, not top that is, of my list, but I would, I would. That is Han Solo. Oh, what's your last? I don't know. I'm by myself. Oh, Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I think we've touched a nerve yes, in that have. scene. I'm going to start. I think that we're going to play that uh, here at the end of the podcast. 
Fair enough. No, I did, dude. I, I liked how you changed the song up depending on what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, I, not that I don't want to have Public Enemy playing every time, but when you changed it for the Neil Peart one, uh, that was cool. Uh, and I did it with Christmas and Hollis, too. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like that where it ties into each one of them rather than just Public Enemy all the time. But that's my two cents. And what, what song was that at the end of the Rush episode? Uh, that was just one of his drum solos. Okay. I was going to say I really like that drum line, and I don't, I didn't recognize it. No, so. yeah, that I think it's the one. Oh man, whatever you can send. I think, me I think it's off of Exit Stage Left. I don't know. I've been listening to so much Rust lately. Like mm-hmm. I, I dusted off my albums and we're listening to it. So good. Fair enough. Send that. Like to I said, me, I like I said I'm not a diehard Rush fan, but you go back and listen to some of that stuff, and you're just like, you, you're listening to Exit Stage Left, which is a live album, and you swear it's a studio album. Like those mm-hmm. guys were just so amazing technicians, so creative. That drum solo, he's ebbed and flowed like that little. There's little parts of it that he's used that he used almost his whole career with the Go Go Bells and everything. Yeah. Um, and then it was cool seeing like all the all the famous musicians come out that just gave him an homage. And my my new and I only follow like. 15 people on Instagram. <laughs> um, but one of them is Charlie Benetti from Anthrax, the drummer yep. from Anthrax. And they he just played Dime Bash, right, which is the Dime Bag Daryl like, tribute from Pantera, the guitar player yeah. from Pantera that was murdered on stage, like yep. in Ak- Akron or Toledo or Dayton or wherever. Um, and so basically it's Anthrax with Dave Grohl as the <laughs> lead singer <laughs> playing – Anthrax songs, playing Foo Fighter songs. I think they played a Rush song. I don't know. It was it, it's pretty cool. So now I've and and to tie this all together too. If you go out and follow Charlie Charlie Benetti on Instagram, he just looks like he spent the last week with him and his his wife, who is also a singer in like this Butcher Babes. I think is the band she's in. Um, at uh, at the what is it the Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars theme yeah. park in. <laughs> In uh, at Disney, like there's just pictures of them on the Millennium Falcon and everything. It's pretty cool, dude. You so. get ready for my Instagram to be filled with that s because I'm we leave in 19 days. 19 days. All right, we're, we're at Disney. We're gonna be at Disney for like nine days, and I get to spend two full days in Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> blue milk, alcoholic blue milk, Steve. I'm just gonna get trashed on blue milk. Rides <laughs> <laughs> and are you, rides. And you're gonna you're gonna build a lightsaber. Yeah, probably. I'm trying to convince Aaron. She's like, do you really need a $200 lightsaber? I'm like, well, I don't need it. I just want it. <laughs> uh, so, and and I hope this stays for a little bit with Charlie. He wants to, like, he sent me a link to, like, here's the kit that he wants to buy yep. and everything. And, and he's, like, he started doing chores. Like, getting that kid to do anything. But he's like, I'll take, it, I'll take out trash, whatever. He's saving money so we can go to Disney so he can build a lightsaber. Yeah, dude. Like, you get to pick your kyber crystal. You get to build your handle or your hilt. Oh, yeah. He yeah, knows. Like, he's got all. You get to pick the uh, everything. You get to do that in the new game, the uh, Fallen Order game. You get to build yeah. your lightsaber. It's really cool. You can decide what color it is and yep. what um, if it's a double-sided, like Darth Maul's or whatever. Yeah, so Aaron was going through all the amenities at Galaxy's Edge. She was like, okay, do you want to do uh, Rise of the Resistance? Yes, sign me up. Do you want to do Smug- Smuggler's Run, which is a Millennium Falcon ride? I was like, yep. And she's like, okay, do you want to build a droid? I was like, no, that's okay. And then she was like, do you want to build a lightsaber? I just stopped and looked at her until she looked up. And she just goes, how much is it? I was like, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. She's like, a couple hundred dollars? So I was like, well, we'll get it for Brody, but it'll just be mine. She goes, how about we talk about it at a later date? Which means no, unless I can wear her down. So yeah. we'll see. 
So it reminds me. So uh, I'll bring this back to Brown Sports real quick. Oh, Have boy. you seen the video going around of Mike Pettin when he was the coach of the Browns and Kyle Shanahan when the offensive coordinator? I don't know. I'll post it. I'll post it on the Twitter side too. Hilarious, right? So they're they're basically playing each other today, right? The Packers. Yeah. Pettin's the de- defensive coordinator for the Packers. Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator for. Uh, or, oh, sorry, he's the coach he's the, of the, the forty nine. He's the head coach. Sorry, but they were in Cleveland together in in reverse roles type of thing. And there's a scene where, <laughs> and it reminds me of what you're just talking about, where Pettin goes like, "Hey, we're just going to run it here. Uh, we'll go up two scores and we'll win." And Kyle Shanahan stops dead. Glares at him, and Mike Pettin's like, "All right, I trust you. Run your best play." And then they show the <laughs> they show the play as Brian Hoyer throw, rolls out, throws to Andrew Hawkins, they score a touchdown. Nice. <laughs> but the glare, Kyle Shanahan doesn't say anything; he just gives him a look. <laughs> Mike Pettin's <laughs> like, "All right, I trust you. Run your best play," and <laughs> he scores a touchdown. That was that was a lot. That was a loss for us with the uh, uh, letting Shanahan go, but. Uh, yeah, whatever. We didn't but, know that I'll at take the time. I'll take Stefanski. We'll take a Polish. We'll take a Polish coach. Yep, a handsome Polish coach too. <laughs> Looks like Kevin, him and Kevin Love. Yep. Look like twins. All right, I think that'll do it uh, for season eight, episode two. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Match Wits. That would be the podcast account or my account, or you can follow Chris at Acquired Wit. Uh, or go to our website at or, uh, matchwits.com. And with that, Chris, take us out. I bid you adieu.